Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. We are special breakfast people here at Pantsu Politics, but not just when Beth and I are on the road. The truth is, I want something warm from the oven every Saturday morning and Sunday morning. It's just the truth that makes it feel special makes it feel exciting. I don't want to work at it. So the first time I ever saw Wild Grain, which is bake from frozen subscription box for sourdough breads, fresh pastas, and artisanal pastries. I was obsessed. You guys, I've been a member for over a year. It's amazing. It's so easy. Every item bakes from frozen in 25 minutes or less. No thawing required. You can fully customize your Wild Grain box. You can choose any combination of breads, pastas, pastries. You can even build a box of only breads, only pastas, or only pastries if you'd like. And for a limited time, you can get $30 off the first box, plus free croissants in every box when you go to wildgrain.com slash pantsuit to start your subscription. Sometimes I make one single croissant just for me because I want to feel special and they're so good. You heard me. Free croissants in every box and $30 off your first box when you go to wildgrain.com slash pantsuit. That's wildgrain.com slash pantsuit or you can use promo code pantsuit at checkout. Do you want a bra that's sexy? or a bra that's comfortable. Thanks to 3rd Love, you can have both. 3rd Love was started to take all the frustration, ick, and ugh out of bra shopping. That's why they make solutions for every bra problem, aka problems. Their bras make it easy to bring back perkiness you haven't seen since high school, get smoothing you know where, and have straps that actually stay put. Designed at their headquarters in San Francisco and made from premium materials, they put every style through hours of wear testing on real women, including themselves, before it's given the stamp of boob approval. Comfort and support are guaranteed. Plus, whether you're a double A cup or an H cup, their virtual fitting room will help you find your perfect fit fast. And they've even invented half cups. No more feeling stuck between two cup sizes that don't fit right. It's time to get your problems solved. Visit thirdlove.com and get 15% off your order with code PODCAST15. I debated big questions at Vox Conversations. And we're asking big questions about yesterday's presidential debate. This is Sarah from the left. And Beth from the right. You're listening to Pantsuit Politics. No shouting, no insults, plenty of nuance. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Pantsuit Politics. We appreciate your iTunes reviews so much and hope that if you haven't written one, you will go do that. Sarah, I don't know if you've seen the newest one, but someone thinks that I'm her spirit animal, and that makes me pretty happy. That's like a bucket list item checked off for me. That's how I felt about the review that called us the Oprahs of Nuance. I guess. Mean, for 35 years to be called the Oprah of something. Because I really don't talk about it a lot on the show because mainly the show Oprah show is not a lot around anymore, so I don't have as many reference points. But I am the largest, most passionate, most enthusiastic Oprah fan in the world. So I'm you not might being hyperbolic. You might think that you're just writing an iTunes review, but you are in fact helping other people find us and making our dreams come true. Exactly. So thank you for that. Mm-hmm. So Sarah, you're going to tell us all about your amazing week in Washington D.C. in the pearls today. 
Yes, and the pearls because there's a couple things going on. We thought we I'll talk about um, the Vox conversations. I hope you guys enjoyed the com- the little snippet of an actual conversation I had um, with Josh and Andy about asking big questions, ask big questions as an organization, and um, the universal basic income, which was a big topic of conversation while I was there. So the first day, they had sort of what they called explainers. So they had um, s- sort of presentations in the traditional sense um, from a woman with a health startup called Health Leads that really tries to meet the social needs of um, patients. So the idea of like, well, let's not just treat somebody's diabetes. Let's figure out why they're not taking care of their own diabetes. Uh, they had DJ Patel, who is the White House data scientist. I got to eat dinner with him. It was phenomenal. Uh, they had Natalie Foster, who's sort of an expert on the gig economy and a big proponent of universal basic income, uh, along with Andy Stern, who was on the, our podcast on Friday as well. And then they would have town halls where we'd sort of talk. We had a town hall after the, that set of speakers where we would all stand up sort of and share whatever we wanted to share. And then they had Senator Wyden talking about uh, Rule 41 and the criminal procedure Code and then Jennifer Lawless, which had a, she had a great presentation about um, the lack of young participation, young people participation in politics, and then uh, Matt Iglesias, who is on a lot of the fans. I know we have a lot of fans of the Weeds as our listeners, and so he's on the Weeds, and he basically um, <laughs> did a very upbeat presentation on how our presidential system should crack and crumble to the ground within the next you know couple decades, so that we can't sustain it. And then Tom Khalil, the science and technology, chief of science and technology at the White House. And then we had another um, town hall. And so it was just, it was amazing people just kind of throwing out how our economy is changing, is our government up for the task, and then everybody sort of chiming in. I introduced everyone there to Paducah. By the end, Paducah was short, was a like basically a shortcut to say small town. I really thought I might have somebody moving back to me by the time it was over, but alas... Uh, I came back by myself. And then the next day, it was where we can make our own um, sort of presentations or panels, I guess, is what you call it. Not panels, because it was more than one person. But basically, if you're like, okay, I want to talk about universal basic income, you wrote it down on this big post note, and then they kind of arranged them, and you could go to different rooms and talk about that kind of stuff. And so I went to one on criminal justice reform and um, the rural, small town rural divide and sort of the degrading of our language online and trolling and how to deal with trolling. So, I mean, they were just, they were, the panels were all over the place and it was really fascinating. My big aha, well, the big summary, I think Ezra Klein, who, P.S., we're now totally best friends, um, said is that, you know, what he realized is that our problems have outpaced our systems solutions to deal with them. So the problems in education, the problems in healthcare, the problems in government, the problems in our economy, like, and I've said this previously, like we have 20th century systems and 21st century problems. <laughs> like that doesn't, that's a problem. That's a problem in and of itself. But my big aha that I had, Beth, was that we were talking about criminal justice reform and this woman um, said, you know, we closed down our mental institutions in the seventies and we put everybody in prison. And so now that we're talking about criminal justice reform, we're going to close down on our prisons and they're still not going to have anywhere to go. And I was sort of talking with somebody out after the panel about how much I enjoyed that comment, not enjoyed, but you know, connected with it. And this person said, well, yeah, we don't have mental health care because we don't treat people like they treat, uh, like somebody if they get cancer, which is a point I totally made in the 
in the past. But what I immediately thought of is, have you ever heard these statistics about women who get cancer and divorce? No. So if you're a woman and you get cancer, it's like that your divorce rates skyrocket. Like wow. they, they're really high because it's not likely that men, that your husband wants to take care of you, which is a really uplifting thought. But, and I was telling them this and I said, you know, that the more I think about it, the more it's not, you know, maybe all of this is about care. We have a problem with caregiving in this country and the fact that we don't value it. And we've talked about before that that's behind the gender uh, wage gap, that we don't have good mental health care. I think that's about that. Um, that we have this economy in which robots are replacing everything, but there's a huge sector right there that robots can't replace and technology. Um, and just, you know, in our independence-driven culture, I don't think we teach people, like, there will be a time in your life in which you will need to be a caregiver, either for a child or a parent or a relative, and there's no shame in that, and that is a valuable contribution to our society. And let's figure out ways we can support those people. And it's just like after I sort of had this aha moment about caregiving, it just felt like it was bubbling up in everything we were talking about for me. Like, oh, well, that's actually about caregiving. Oh, well, that's really about caregiving. And that's about how we don't value caregiving. And so um, it really became sort of a central theme for me as far as the connection between the different things we were talking about. But you know, overall, it was a really incredible two days. I learned a lot. It was amazing. What did you walk away from it thinking, here's something that should be done? Oh, here's something that should be done. Um, I mean, I was pretty already, I wasn't really on the fence, but universal basic income after we had several presentations about the changing economy, like Andy Stern talked about, we have 3.6 million truck drivers. Well, we're not that far away from self-driving trucks. We're just not. We're close. And the second that happens, I mean, that's just one tiny, you know, that's not tiny. 3.6 million jobs isn't tiny, but, you know, that's just another illustration of our economy is changing. And we really need to think about what we're going to do. And, you know, again, I, and I really like the way he put it, that it's like the the safety net for them it's a safety net for everybody that the middle class and upper classes have like that you can explore or change or you know move or start a business and you have this little safety net and that's sort of what the universal basic income allows for people so I mean I would love to do that right now that would be great what did you when you talk about how our systems haven't kept up with our problems what kind of conclusions did you reach about how to change those systems well, I think the electoral system was something we talked about a lot. Like we talked about, do we have too much democracy? Do we have too many elected officials? Maybe. Maybe we do. Um, do we have, you know, how do we deal with the outpacing of, you know, our elected officials to people's interest in politics? My, what thing, One thing I thought a lot about with, with regards to that, like Jennifer Lawless and their research, they talk about when you get to people at college, when you get to people at high school. And maybe just because I have small children, there's a part of me that's like, that's too late. Like, we need to teach people to talk to their kids about politics in elementary school. Like, it's not a scary subject. And my point was, I think women play more of a role in this than we think. Like, in my household, it's women, it's my mother and my grandmothers that, like, shut down the political conversations. Like, we're not going to fight y'all. Don't talk about that. You know, and so I think that would be interesting. But there was a lot of specific electoral reforms with regards to how we vote um, that I think would help with regards to the outdatedness of our political system. 
Um, although, again, Matt Iglesias and his <laughs> democratic apocalypse is coming was, I'm not even sure if that would help, but it was interesting. How did you find it in terms of partisanship? Uh, there were a couple Republicans there. I mean, it was largely a progressive Democratic cr- crowd. Um, there was a uh, a young Republican who was from a public policy fellowship, but he like couldn't tell us who he worked for, which was kind of interesting. I sat next to him at dinner too. Um, so there were a couple, but no, it was mostly Democrats and progressives was there discussion but, about the party system and where the party system's going and the you adequacy know, there wasn't, or not that we spent a lot of time talking about we took we spent a talk about a lot of time talking about sort of the polarization within our current party system and we spent a lot of time talking about voting because like the uh, michelle from fair vote was there who i think we're going to try to have on the show um, and so we spent a lot of time, or and we spent a lot of time talking about like how other localities or local governments voted, but we didn't really actually talk that much about the party system itself. Interesting. There wasn't even that much talk about Donald Trump, honestly. Were you able to share pantsuit politics with lots of people? Let's get to the most important question here. Of course. And we had a listener who was already there. How about that? That's awesome. Um, that awesome. yeah, so I did. I passed out a lot of cards. People were really interested. Um, we're going to have, I had talked to a lot of really amazing people, including Sarah McBride from the um, Human Rights Commission, who spoke at the DNC, and she's going to come on our show, which is really exciting. Um, so, yeah, spread the word far and, ri- far and wide. <laughs> That's great. Of, that, of Pansy Politics and Paducah, for sure. Should we compliment the other side before we move on to our reflections on the debate? Yes. Well, I'll start, since you've been talking for a while, give you a chance to catch your breath and say that I would like to extend my compliments to President Obama this week. I think he did the right thing and that the right thing was hard to do in vetoing the Justice Against Sponsors of Terrorism Act. If you haven't been following this, it is a a law, it's a bill uh, that was passed by both houses of Congress Uh, that would allow victims of 9-11, the families of victims of 9-11, to sue Saudi Arabia for civil Mm -hmm. damages. And a number of victims' advocacy groups put a lot of pressure on Congress to pass this legislation. And Congress is threatening to override this veto, and most people are predicting that they will do that. I think President Obama is is just right about this, that it is while you feel your heart wanting to allow anything that would help any family member of a victim of 9-11, we can't have sovereign nations being sued in our court system. Mm -hmm. And the problems particular to Saudi Arabia, it's just, um, it's just a dangerous precedent I think. And I appreciated how very difficult it must have been for him to veto this legislation. And I commend him for doing it. So I wanted to compliment Representative Mike Kaufman. Um, One of our our regular and lovely listeners, Katie, sent um, me an email about him. Really interesting. Um, He has come out against Donald Trump. He's done a lot of really... um, Sort of, uh, what's it called? What they call it on um, Invisibilia? Um, 
script flipping. That's what I feel like he's an expert at. Just what was expected of him. And he just sort of constantly is bucking stereotypes and flipping the scripts. And it was, it was a really, we'll link to the article she sent in the uh, show notes so everybody can check it out. So kudos, Mike Kaufman. So we are here mere moments after the debate has ended, recording our thoughts for our lovely Pantsu Politics community. We are indeed, and you'll forgive me if I sound a little Trumpian in my sniffling as we go forward. I think I'm getting a cold, and it is also almost 11 o'clock my time, and I typically turn into a pumpkin much earlier than this. But that's like on theme. He was sniffling. I really, everybody on Twitter is talking constantly about his sniffles, and I did not notice. Is that bad? I noticed, but only because it was a rare moment of me feeling some camaraderie with him. So, uh, no, I thought it was funny how, I mean, there were some funny jokes about like, oh my God, is he dying? Because, you know, the health thing. So what did you think, Sarah? I know you were stressed. Oh, I'm still stressed. I'm like really, really stressed. I just, uh, this is how I feel. I just feel like the my new favorite word, and I feel like this happened in the debate, is false equivalency. He is not qualified to be president. He is not prepared to do the job. My favorite moment is when she said, yeah, I did prepare for this debate, just like I prepared to be president. Like, I did think she got a lot of, like, sort of zingers in, and Twitter seems to think he lost the debate, but I really wanted him to, like, call her a bitch or something, truthfully. <laughs> Sarah goes full transparency for this edition of Answer Politics. Totally. Um, I don't know how to respond to that. I'm glad he didn't call her a bitch, I guess, just for America. I'm glad that didn't happen in our presidential debate. (laughs) Oh, I don't know. I just feel like the best thing for America is his bullshit to be laid bare, man. I just feel like all this us sort of tiptoeing around it and pretending like there's something to be gained from anything he says is just... I think it was laid bare in the foreign policy section, though. Because there's no way that you watch what happened in the foreign policy section specifically and yeah. thought, I mean, yeah, he could do this. No, I mean, he he really I thought he was very um, much in his sweet spot on the trade portion. Right. The economic part, I thought Kellyanne probably had to feel good about the the performance, the temperament, the way he was going at it. It's not everyone's cup of tea. I understand that that sounds like crazy talk to our kind of diehard Hillary people. But I thought that it was good out of the gate. It was it was Trump good. Let me just step back for a second and say that my overall thought was there was not a Republican on the debate stage tonight. Mm-hmm. Right. Like there was absolutely no conservative ideology represented at all that said so not at all advocating for trump and it was a weird experience to watch this and not really be invested in any in anything other than i hope that our country doesn't just implode in the midst of all this but when you got to the foreign policy part and he rambled and he like i feel like you could almost see in his face that he knew he didn't know what he was talking about Mm. yeah If you're looking for a very quick salon quality 
but not salon priced manicure, Olive & Jean has you covered. We've talked about Olive & Jean's Manny system before. It has everything that you need for a professional manicure in one box, salon grade tools, your choice of six polishes. Those polishes are gonna last you for seven days or more. The cost breaks down to about $2 a manicure. Olive & June also has press-ons if you want. What I love though, is that Olive & June each season is coming out with new colors. And I just got a set of spring and summer colors in quick dry polish. And they say this dries in about a minute. It seemed dry to me in about 30 seconds. It was not kidding about being quick dry. I also love the light colors in this set. There is a huge range. My favorite one is called Kitten. It's like a pinkish gray. The quick dry polish gives you full coverage in one or two coats. It lasts for more than five days and it is offered in more than 40 cruelty-free and vegan polishes. Olive and June just understands what's happening in our lives, that we need to move quickly, but we want to look great and feel great and have fun in the process. Visit oliveandjune.com slash pantsu for 20% off your first system. That's O-L-I-V-E-A-N-D-J-U-N-E dot com slash P-A-N-T-S-U-I-T for 20% off your first Manny system. Just finished A Court of Thorns and Roses and craving another fantasy world to devour? Dipsy's got you. Dive into spicy enemies to lovers' tales or embark on an epic romance between immortal fae and sworn foes. They've got fantasy romance stories perfect for your morning walk, late night, or long bath. Dipsy is an app full of short, spicy audio stories. They bring scenarios to life with immersive soundscapes and realistic characters. Discover stories about second chance romances, adventurous vacation flings, and hot and heavy hookups. And there's a growing library of fantasy series with werewolves, Greek gods and goddesses, Regency-era historical fiction, and fairy smut to explore the bounds of your pleasure. New content is released every week, so in between listening to your favorite stories again and again, you can always find something new to explore. For listeners of the show, Dipsy is offering an extended 30-day free trial when you go to dipsystories.com slash pantsuit. That's 30 days of full access for free when you go to dipseastories.com slash pantsuit. dipsystories.com slash pantsuit. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Can I get something off my chest? Every day I feel a little pang of sadness. Because I think about Griffin going away to college. Y'all, he's a freshman in high school. This is not healthy or normal. This is why I have it on my list of things to talk to my therapist about. We all carry around these things, big and small. When we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us. Therapy is a safe space to get these things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. If you're thinking about starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapist anytime for no additional charge. You gotta get it off your chest. And you can get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash pantsuit today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash pantsy. And I mean, I'm just saying this from, I tried to watch this really objectively because I obviously but don't like, want don't, him to be the president. You, how, but. So I have a question, but like, how can you be objective? He cannot win. Oh my God. So it's scared. just a, like, I totally agree that he cannot win and I don't think he will. Okay. Okay. You see, this is, we have switched positions. This is Larry's. So and the primary, I was like, P.S., a little backstage pints and politics. And the primary, I was like, 
dude, he's not going to win the primary. And you're like, oh, my God, I think he's going to win the primary. <laughs> so it may, And you were right then, so that makes me feel better now that I'm like, oh, my God, what if he's president? And you're like, it's okay, totally okay. He's not going to be president. I, I keep telling not. myself that. Okay. He's okay. not. I mean, I think that it's going to feel close in large part because that's a good story. I think it'll be very, very interesting to watch what gets covered tomorrow because I think there's a big interest of the national media in keeping this close. Oh. But I think at the end of the day, the the demographics favor a Democrat in all circumstances. And I just don't think there are enough angry white people, even if he were getting all of the angry white person vote for him to win this election based on our electoral college system. I just I just don't I don't think that that can happen. I think it's going to feel stressful and close, but I don't think he's going to win. So like not wanting him to win is different than being excited about her. Right. And it's just I keep waiting to be excited about her. Like, I want there to be a moment when I'm like, okay, I get it. I get it. And I'm just not having that moment. I thought she was good tonight. I did too. I I thought she was on point. I thought that she demonstrated her command of the issues. She'll do, there's some things she did well on, like, that'll play well on cable news. Like, the prepared line. um, Like, her sort of chuckle. I'm sorry to interrupt you. Yeah, go ahead. I, I like her better in the moments when she's not doing the prepared lines, the the zinger lines. Like I like my favorite part of her tonight was when she could have gone to those zingers after his kind of rambling tirade. And instead she said, no, I want to talk about NATO. That felt so authentic to her, to me, that I, I liked her best in that moment when she wasn't going for the cable news. You know what I think that I've been thinking a lot about is I read that piece about the interview that changed everything when she did say those lines. And I don't think the Tammy Wynette line and the I'm your, I'm not, I could have stayed home and baked cookies. I think that is her. And she dials it back because she thinks that got her in trouble so much in the 90s with Clinton. But I do think that's her. I do think she does want to be like, you know what? Suck it. So I, I, it does feel authentic to me because the more I think about her and think about her particularly in relationship to those, to those two pivotal moments in his campaign... I don't know. I think that is her. I don't think, you know, I think she does have a sense of humor and I think she would like to get in more zingers, but she's just so afraid of coming off as something that she's not. I don't know. But I, and I think, but I do think no matter how we feel about them, they're important because that's what cable news, you know, they need something that they can clip and, you know, have those little lines where the audience was blatantly disobeying the rules. I hated that the audience disobeyed the rules. I have Why no nuance for audiences who can't be quiet. Weird rules, man. I just I I would rather them not have an audience present and and let these people debate. I you know I just I hate the cheering like it's a football game. It's not a football game. You know? I was so interested though when you were like I really feel like they're debating. Whereas I just felt like he was just yelling over her. I don't feel like they were really debating anything substantive because I don't think he's capable of that. What I thought was great about it at the very beginning when they were just kind of free-forming, I thought it was nice to watch how she handled him. You know, he he did not... It didn't serve him to be able to do that. And I thought that it did sort of serve her to let us see her listen for a while, then step up and push back. Like, I I actually thought that it inured to her benefit for the most Mm -hmm. part. And, you know, I'm watching people sort of 
people who I know to be pro Hillary people like freaking out that Lester Holt wasn't interrupting. Like I, I actually thought that that benefited her in a lot of ways because I it mean, showed that what he does is filibuster. Yeah, I guess that's true. I was stressed by Lester Holt. I felt like Lester Holt could have been a little more. First of all, they need, I mean, the timing was just like 20 seconds, my ass. Everybody was talking for like five minutes. It felt like maybe it wasn't that long. Um, but I did feel like there were times where he should have said, I mean, but it's like, what do you say to somebody when you say, that's a lie, that's not what happened. And then they just go, yes, it is. I mean, I don't even know how you are. And, and she, you know, she came up against that too. I just don't know what you do when you say this is what ha- This is, the sky is blue. No, it's not. It's green. That's a lie. I think you just let it play out. Ugh. I mean, we're like, there isn't going to be someone coming down from heaven to say like, you know, to do like a Saved by the Bell, Zach Morris, like timeout. That's incorrect. You know, <laughs> that's not going to happen in this setting. And I think she's really good when she doesn't say, hey, fact checkers, get busy on this and try to do that kind of cute thing. I don't like that. I liked it when she just said, no, that's not what the record demonstrates. No, that's not what you said and moved on. Like, mm-hmm. because when she moves on, it's even more dismissive of it in a credible way to me, right? When she just moves on, what I hear is that's wrong and I'm not even worried about it because it's so ridiculous in its wrongness. Oh, I hope so. I just feel like he puts stuff out there and I don't really know. Like I said, I don't know what you do. I don't know how. I wish there was, I wish there was a Zach Morris, somebody from on high who could just be like, stop, just stop. Stop. We all know it's not true, but it doesn't really matter. Somebody's going to believe it's true. So you didn't think he seemed presidential at all, or did you think he got a little bit of that across? I thought he kept himself under control better than anyone would have expected. I thought that he, I mean, no, I don't think he was presidential. Like, I don't, I, I don't know who looks at him and thinks, yeah, super presidential. I just don't, I don't know. Um, I think at the beginning of the debate, you saw a Donald Trump that the Republican Party would have liked to have seen months ago. Like if he were a candidate who had a demonstrated ability to learn and improve over time and he had started with some of that, um, like the, the guy who was there for the trade talk. I think that he could have been a much more formidable opponent, still someone who doesn't represent my ideology at all, uh, but a better opponent than he is today. But that just devolved, right? Like he couldn't he couldn't maintain it because he's not done the work to be strong enough on the substance. Yeah, that's my opinion. I just think he has not put in the time that you have to put in. I mean, think about how much time you and I put in to be able to do our mock debate. I don't think Donald Trump has spent that much time on substance the whole time he's been running for president. I just don't. Well, and I read the best thing that was like, this is what it's like to be president. You read briefing books, you do all the research, and you prepare. You don't just fly off the cuff. That's what's so terrifying to me about the thought of this man being president. It's like, I don't know, that doesn't sound right. Or let's, so many things he said tonight, like, I don't, it's smart not to pay taxes. Okay. Um, or the, where he implied basically that people should pay us to defend them are people that we're (laughs) in treaties with. I just don't, it's so, it's just, it's so stressful. It's like my, you know, I can be, I can really put on my nuanced hat and I can have these moments where I'm listening to, um, Ezra Klein 
interview the woman who wrote Strangers in Your Own Country, and I'm like so thoughtful about, yeah, people's stories, and everybody has their own understanding of the world, and everything is so nuanced. And then in this moment, in this debate tonight, I'm just like, baby Jesus, come down and rave a wa- wave a wand so that everyone can understand how bananas this all is. Like, I've just, oh, I've been stressed about it all day long. I was just so hyped up by the time it started. There was no way I was going to maintain any sort of objectivity or nuance. That's a question that I have. Is Is it a gift to her that he's this kind of candidate? Or do you think that she is saddened that this is the debate she's participating in? Does she want a worthy opponent? Oh, yes. Yes, for sure. Yeah. I think she would much rather be up there, the woman who does all the research and is ready to, you know, talk about her platforms and her policies. No, I think she would much rather have a worthy opponent. I thought that one of the, I didn't, you know, we didn't hear much commentary because we basically turned the debate off and came upstairs. But before I did that, I heard Brian Williams say, you'd be forgiven if you felt like you were watching two separate conversations going on. And I think that that's like a really good summary of America right now. You know, there are two different conversations going on. And in that respect, I'm not sure this debate could move anybody. Because I think the Trump people heard what the Trump people want to hear and the Clinton people heard what the Clinton people want to hear. A great example of that is how excited many of our listeners were about her response to the implicit bias question. That is exactly the kind of off-putting response that that makes the Trump people the Trump people, right? Mm -hmm. And it's exactly what draws people into her. I'm not saying that I find it off-putting. I'm saying it's off-putting to that population. So it it is two separate discussions. And I think that's why in a lot of ways the coverage will matter. But in more ways, the the map matters because I, I just don't know how many people out there can be moved at this point. I mean, there's supposedly there's still a lot of undecided voters. That's what's so insane. Yeah. And I, I mean, I think those voters are primarily college students if today's press coverage is any indication where you've got college students kind of saying I don't know if I can trust her I don't like him I mean they're going to come around to her or they're not going to vote I think and then I think you have people like me who just wish to God that this we'd wake up from this nightmare and have an option that we felt comfortable with but you know if the election were held today of course I'm going to vote for Hillary Clinton because it's close and what else am I going to do? I'm a mm. responsible human being who wants someone <laughs> who can lead our country in the mm. Oval Office. I'm not excited about it. I don't like it. I'll spend the next four years thinking, oh, when is this going to be over? But I'll do it. And I think that a lot of um, a lot of Republicans are in that camp. I mean, I hope so. I'm going to be excited about it. I think maybe you won't spend every moment of four years, ugh. Maybe, maybe she'll surprise you. Maybe you'll have a moment where you're like, you know what? Sister did a good job on that, but... I think so, because I try to be a nuanced person. I mean, there I do that with President Obama, right? I have moments of kudos for President Obama. I mean, it's but just I... like, why are we on a... Pre- this is what this is the moment in this debate. Like, I just spent two weekends, two days last week at Vox, talking about the big, huge problems that plague our country. From globalization and its effect on our economy, from tech and the fact that we are losing human connection with each other, 
to our education system and how we prepare people and our children for the 21st century, foreign policy, aviation, you know, down to the language we use on the internet, huge big things. And they spent a portion of this debate talking about whether Barack Obama was born in the United States. Are you freaking kidding me? And it's all because of him. And it just makes me so angry. Like there are important things to be talked about. And it's not her, and it's not Hillary Clinton. This is not the lesser of two evils. Oh my God, this debate, so this can this campaign is so wretched. Blah blah blah. She's not the reason we're out there talking about whether Barack Obama was born in the United States. We have much bigger problems. You know what I mean? She's not the reason we're talking about whether or not women are fat pigs and whether you should comment on their appearance or whether or not like it's just so frustrating to me. And I'm sure she feels that too. That's why I said I didn't hesitate to say that. It's like, come on. I mean, how literally how many minutes of this debate do we spend talking about the birther movement? Ugh. Well, I completely agree with that. And I don't think any moment of this entire campaign from any of the 300 million people who started running for president has mm. been about the future. You don't have any candidates talking about the future. When Lester Holt brought up cybersecurity, I thought, I don't know that you could have, I, I don't know that anybody ran for president this year who's equipped to deal with that issue. I really don't. I think Hillary Clinton will work her butt off to do her best with that issue. But we've we've got a whole different landscape. I mean, I tweeted the economic policy portion of this could have been lifted from the late 80s, early 90s on both yeah. sides. There's nothing forward thinking going on here. Did you vote for the Iraq war or not? You know, and they both do it. The the birther issue. It's all about who did what in the past. And I get that her angle is experience. And that's a valid angle. She has impressive experience. I have no fight with that. But there isn't anything forward thinking from either of them. And I think that's part of I disagree why with that, though. It's she difficult really... for her to capture the Barack Obama enthusiasm because I, I wasn't an Obama I fan, but but it was very futuristic. I disagree, though. I think that she her when she first started and she said, look, our economy has changed and people got left behind. So how do we deal with that? And she talked about something we talk about forward thinking that we talked about at Vox and you and I talk about it on this podcast, which is the nature of work and the balance between family and work. She started what she's her opening statement with that. And she said, look, OK, so we need to forward think about the way family in work, paid family leave, maternity leave. I felt like all that was very like. Let's talk about things that matter and things that affect people and things we've neglected for too long and move into the future on um, the balance between work and family. I thought that was really great, and I thought that was really forward thinking. And if we're always being, you know, it's every time she would say something, she every time he, she'd be like, okay, let's talk about what your what this is my plan. What's your plan? Well, you're terrible, and you've been fighting ISIS your whole life. I just felt like every time she'd say something, his response was, well, you've had your you've been around forever, and everything's still bad. Like really. Really? Well, that's his. I mean, to, that that's his most effective line of attack against her. She rep, like that's what that's what the polls are going to tell. The crosstabs are going to tell his team that he needs to do right. Paint her as the status quo. Paint, and and that's not wrong. I mean, it, you know, it's not wrong. So it's not the substantive exchange of ideas about the future that we'd like to have. But I understand it tactically. Ugh. And, know. you know, two minutes after she she did the dive into work-family balance, which I agree was a good moment for her and a consistent one, I think one of her best ads up right now is the one that shows her 
over a 30-year period talking about children, even though it doesn't say a lot substantively. I think it's a I think it's a really effective ad for her. But, you know, a couple minutes after that, somehow he's got her defending NAFTA, which I mean, it's just it's like we can't get out of the 90s in a lot of ways because of who these two people are and their views of the world. And and I'm not trying to do false equivalency. And, and I have to say about that phrase that it is my least favorite phrase. I would put it on my ban list right now, because while it's totally fair, I think it's used a lot to say that any criticism of her can't is is illegitimate because he's so awful. You know what I mean? And that's not I like worthy it- of our process either. I don't know. I think at this point it is. I think at this point I'm just so frustrated <laughs> with the fact that this is like tied. Yeah, he's awful. He is awful. He is a threat to our democracy. I don't want to talk. I don't. It's just like, how can you even? Uh, I, I do. I think he's so he's so like I said, I tell people at Vox, it's like, you know, we we came up and I've said this before on the podcast. We're going to do nuance. And then the world gave us Donald Trump, which tests every single principle I stand for. But he's not a Republican, so I don't feel bad about that because I do believe we need a Republican Party and that the conservative movement is valuable. So I don't feel bad about that because he's not a conservative. I do think that he is a a real threat to, and I think he's already done a massive amount of damage and pretending it's some false equivalency and she has to live up to this, you know, separate bar. It's ridiculous. This man is horrible and should not be president. I'm sorry. I've had a lot of, I've had a bourbon and several chocolate chip cookies and I'm tired. I'm not feeling very nuanced after this debate. It's just not good for our country to be in a place where we can't critique anyone, right? Like I love Paul Ryan and I will critique him all day. I mean, I think that we have to be able to ask questions and I, I sort of resent any questioning of her being met with the false equivalency or he's the worst and you're you don't love our country. I mean, it's basically what and look, the Republicans play this card all the time, too, in different circumstances. So this is not a partisan thing. It's just when you get really entrenched with one person. And I agree that he is uniquely unqualified. Um, we know how I feel. I never want to be in the position of defending Donald Trump. But I also think that we have to be able to ask questions about Hillary Clinton. And, you know, when she's president, we have to be able to hold her accountable and um, state our opposition when we have it. And I just I don't like being in this kind of lecturing, finger wagging mode all the time of like, he's the worst and we can't we can't even take a second to examine our other option because he's so bad. And and I'm not saying that you're finger wagging or lecturing. I just I feel that from social media and I'm not even going to vote for him. You know what I mean? And I'm reacting to it. So what were your like top couple moments tonight? Mm, I thought that I thought the trade section was an important conversation for the country. I wish that a conservative perspective could have been represented there. I thought the most interesting moments were the moments where he expressed agreement with her. He expressed he did agreement. that a lot. He did. I mean, he expressed agreement with her about uh, gun regulation. You know, after he's been walking around the country declaring that she's going to try to take everybody's guns away, he said... 
you know, I I think she's I tend to think she's right about this. I I tend to think she's right that nuclear proliferation is an enormous issue. I mean, there were several moments where he agreed and I thought that was such an unusual tone for him. I thought it was wise of him and whomever encouraged him to do that. I thought it was also illustrative of how we don't this campaign is not about a collision of ideas, really. Sarah and I have talked many times about our desire to age as gracefully as possible, and skincare is a huge piece of that. I spend a lot of time and money thinking about my skin, and I have added Ritual to my routine, which just gives me a lot of comfort. Ritual is here for us. They have created a wrinkle support skin supplement and conducted clinical studies, so we know it's working. They're taking the guesswork out of skincare. Ritual Hyacera is one of several Ritual products that I love. I take the daily multivitamin, I take a probiotic, And Hyacera is that once daily skincare supplement that is clinically proven to reduce wrinkles and fine lines and increase skin smoothness in 90 days. I recently met a friend for the first time in person as opposed to online. And we were discussing the fact that I am 43 and she said, I cannot believe how young you look. And I thought, thank you, Ritual, for that. Start Hyacera to help minimize wrinkles without compromising on clean science. Hyacera from Ritual is a clinically proven skin supplement you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month for a limited time at ritual.com slash pantsuit. Start Ritual or add Hyacera to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash pantsuit for 25% off. Do you want a bra that's sexy or a bra that's comfortable? Thanks to Third Love, you can have both. Third Love was started to take all the frustration, ick, and ugh out of bra shopping. That's why they make solutions for every bra problem, aka problems. Their bras make it easy to bring back perkiness you haven't seen since high school, get smoothing you know where, and have straps that actually stay put. Designed at their headquarters in San Francisco and made from premium materials, they put every style through hours of wear testing on real women, including themselves, before it's given the stamp of boob approval. Comfort and support are guaranteed. Plus, whether you're a double A cup or an H cup, their virtual fitting room will help you find your perfect fit fast. And they've even invented half cups. No more feeling stuck between two cup sizes that don't fit right. It's time to get your problems solved. Visit thirdlove.com and get 15% off your order with code PODCAST15. There's not much worse than a dry energy scalp. Also, when you get your hair colored and then it does not last as long as you and your stylist discussed, it could be that unfiltered, mineral-filled water is the culprit. Hard water is a leading cause of damaged hair and dry, irritated skin, and about 85% of the United States uses hard water, filled with dissolved minerals and added chlorine. That's where Canopy's new filtered shower head comes in. Canopy, known for their beauty hacks and reimagined humidifier, has revolutionized the filtered shower head. Dermatologists recommended this unique three-stage filtration system greatly reduces contaminants and odors in your shower water, leaving you with healthy hair and glowing skin. Best of all, the Canopy filtered shower head is hassle-free. Installation is a breeze, and its unique quick-release filter replacement feature allows for seamless filter replacement unlike any others on the market. Go to getcanopy.co to save $25 on your Canopy filtered showerhead purchase today with Canopy's hassle-free filter subscription. Even better, our listeners can use code PANTSUIT at checkout to save an additional 10% off your Canopy purchase. Hurry, your hair and skin will thank you. Uh, 
Um, I thought that she had a like I said. I thought she had a couple of good moments. I liked when she said, "I prepared." I liked when she said, "I you know the whole." I spent 11 hours. I was looking for zingers. I wanted zingers. I got a couple of them. I was frustrated with the way he interviewed. He just kept interrupting her and talking over her and talking over Lester Holt. Um, but I did think that there was a few times that he even started to buy his bullshit about the Iraq war where he was like, I was just being flippant on Howard Stern. And then if you go a few weeks later, I decided it was a terrible idea. Like, Oh, what's wrong with me? Um, but you know, overall, Mike, I think she did well. I don't think he came off as presidential, except for the fact that he was just on the stage overall, which concerns me, obviously. But I'm, I, as I've calming down, I feel like it went well for her. I think it went well for her. I mean, I don't think I don't think it was an even performance in any respect. I think that if you buy into the logic that his bar was lower than hers, that he did not fail tremendously, (laughs) to use one of his favorite adverbs. But I don't think that it was a successful night for him. I think she was good. I think that it probably is just another step in the, the slow evolution for those of us who are not enthusiastic about these options. But I, you know, I think I think she was very good. I think she did what she set out to do. I don't think she had any terrible moments at no, all. No, I don't think so either. And I think they, and I think she started off a little stiff, and he started off good. But really, you want that the opposite. And then he kind of lost his way, where she got stronger. And I guess I think that's really the momentum you want in a debate. Yeah, I think that's right. She had a good arc. I'll tell you what, watching both of them made me realize how hard it is to listen and to like stand there and have your facial expression on the television because I I don't think either of them um maintain like a particularly flattering demeanor and I don't fault them for that. Like it's got to be just incredibly painful and difficult to sit there and listen to the other person and have your expressions analyzed. So I I don't know I don't know that anyone could withstand that kind of scrutiny for 90 minutes without interruption. And they didn't do that last time with the split screen the entire time, right? Yeah. I mean, the way this was filmed was pretty intense. Yeah, it was. Okay. Now that we have officially have a yawn on tape. That's what people come to us for. That's right. Politics, that kind of real gritty commentary. Well, thanks for joining us. We Next up, we're going to talk um, in the pearls about Beth's awesome uh, retreat and trip and her 40 under 40 ceremony. And we will be right back. All right, in the heels, Beth also went on a couple-day retreat for her fabulous 40 under 40. I don't think the fabulous is part of it. I just added that, Beth. <laughs> uh, so tell us about your retreat. Well, so it was actually two different things. Um, oh, yeah, it was Leadership Kentucky. I'm sorry. Or Northern yeah. Kentucky. So I, I had Leadership Northern Kentucky went on a retreat. This is a program sponsored by the uh, Chamber of Commerce 
and it brings together people from our entire Northern Kentucky region. Northern Kentucky is kind of an interesting place because it's a mix of several different counties with common interest. It sits right across the river from Cincinnati, Ohio. And so there are a lot of issues um, common to this region, and yet every component of the region has a very kind of distinct culture too. Um, so it's it's an interesting challenge when you think about moving the region forward, but it's a really cool and vibrant and wonderful place to live. So I'm excited to be part of this class. So we were going to Camp Joy, which is um, a summer camp type place that does all kinds of good in the world. They do camps for children with all sorts of medical problems so that they can just go and be with other kids like them and have fun for a week. They do uh, a lot of diversity and inclusion programs for school and they do corporate leadership training. So I got up at five o'clock to drive to Camp Joy to be there by 8 a.m. And I was there from 8 to 10.30, and then I got in my car and drove back to Cincinnati for the 40 under 40 honor lunch. And then I got in my car and drove back to Camp Joy (laughs) and was there until Friday afternoon. Um, I changed clothes in my parking garage. Like, it was quite the adventure. And I'll have to say, like, I learned a lot about myself in these two days because I really struggled with all of this. I think what I learned is, like... I like being here with a couple thousand of our closest friends. Um, (laughs) I think because the setting is so intimate, but being in groups of people and especially feeling like I'm being personally seen in those groups, it is just like devastating for me. I mean, all I wanted to do was dig a hole and bury myself in it. I had to like choose a theme song and walk down this runway for the 40 under 40 lunch. And that was like a nightmare for me. And then what did you choose? I think um, I I picked masterpiece by Jesse J because I like the idea that you're always working towards something else, you know? Um, So it's a good song. You should check it out. And then at Camp Joy, it was like all of this sort of, Let's do a physical challenge and then discuss the parallels to leadership. There were some other things, too. There was a really cool exercise where we sat in silence in a circle and the facilitator would make statements. And if you agreed, you would stand up from your chair and how much you agreed would decide how far you walked toward the center of the circle. Oh, I like that. I like that. I want to do that. So that was really fun. Yeah, that That was good. Um. The physical challenges, though, like definitely not my cup of tea. Um, I climbed to the top of a pole. I'm sore in places I didn't know I had. And this whole time, I have just learned that my father is in the hospital. Oh, no. And they suspected that he had a stroke. He did not. And let me just say to medical professionals, thank you for what you do. Understand that if you use a word like stroke, no one hears anything else. And you worry about that for days and days. So I was just like a mess during this couple of days. But um, I'm really excited about the rest of the program. I think it will get to be more things that naturally interest me and feel better to me. Like we'll work on a project that will benefit the community. Previous classes have done um, like a community relay. One class made a maker space, which I think is really cool. So there'll be lots of good stuff coming up with this program. And I think it's the right way for me to get involved in the community. It was just a very tough start for me. I don't know. Mm. 
Like I like uh, I was listening to you talk about Vox conversations and thinking, I feel like I would be much more comfortable in that environment than like in the woods climbing stuff or being blindfolded or whatever. Oh, yeah. um, but I think I still might struggle with sort of the group dynamics. Like I'm just, that's not me. I am a 100% true extrovert. It all sounds great. I will climb. I will talk. I will share. I will introduce <laughs> myself. I will raise my hand. I don't really care. I'll do it all. It's fine. I love it. I love, it's like I was telling somebody about how much I love knocking on doors and they're like, yeah, but that's a, an introvert's personal nightmare. And I was like, I mean, maybe if you just gave it a chance. They're like, no, no. <laughs> it's you know, just, it's so hard for me to, and I, I logically understand the um over like that people zap your energy instead of giving you energy like I can logically like think through that and get like what that's about it's just not something I ever experienced now I get zapped like tonight I really wanted to sell my children like I get zapped by sort of people I'm close to if I've been around family members and like or close friends like when we go on vacation and stuff like all my girlfriends think I'm like they make a lot of fun of me because I'm like I'm Gabby 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 so much fun and then around 10 o'clock I'm like everybody go away and I don't want to see your face until tomorrow so I get that a little bit but just not with when it's new people no all day long let's talk about stuff oh see I want the old people I love the old people I can't get enough of the old people but the new people I like people one-on-one like I almost think the knocking on doors I could do It's when here's a group and we're supposed to like bond as a group and develop really quickly all these group dynamics. Yeah. It just really is a struggle for me. Like I would love to, I mean, and there are incredible people in this group. I'd love to sit down with every one of them. I told them like, and I used your line, we could sit down and I could say like, tell me how you feel about your dad. Like I can go deep one-on-one. It's just the sort of group thing that I find super overwhelming. I was actually, and I think a lot of it was that I was worried about my dad and I was exhausted from the sort of being on display of the awards thing. Um, But it was really hard. I have to say, though, before we go, so Bryn and lots of other people, I don't even know who all to thank, organized um, like purchasing a slide for the presentation at this lunch that congratulated me from the Pantsuit Politics family. And it was one of the best moments of my life. And I am not exaggerating and was just so humbled by it. So that and my husband later telling Jane, my five-year-old, that I won this award because I am kind and I respect people and work hard. And that makes people respect me. Like those were, those were two really good moments in a really tough week. So thank you, Bren and everyone. Okay, well, thants for joining us for another episode of Pantsuit Politics. Uh, we wanted to keep spending a little time showcasing different podcast players if you guys are looking for um, different ways to check it out. So um, if you haven't yet, there is another podcast app called Stitcher that um, I have several close friends who listen and really love it. So, Stitcher is another great podcast player to check out if you're looking for options beyond what we've already talked about, like Overcast and Auto and, of course, iTunes. So check out a different podcast player and let's break this stranglehold iTunes has on us. (laughs) And beyond that, follow us on Facebook and Twitter. You can subscribe to our email, get a T-shirt, or support our show at PantsuPoliticsShow.com. And until Friday, keep it nuanced, y'all.